Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Paul Sorbo. He is the Director of Sales at Wabi Medical, where they're helping the world to think better. They're doing brain performance assessments with a very unique approach. And in this interview, I have an extraordinary conversation with him, learning more about how they're making a difference in brain health. And so with that intro, I am so privileged to have you here on the podcast, Paul. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, you know, we previously had another member of your team, Aaron from Wavi. If you guys haven't had a chance to listen to that podcast, go to the website, go to Wavi Med, and you'll see our great chat with Aaron. But today we've got Paul on the podcast, and he's going to dive a bit deeper into the topic of brain health and what we're doing to do more and to do better within that field. So before we do that, though, Paul, you know, why don't you go ahead and tell us what exactly inspires your work in healthcare? Wow, that's a broad question for me. Um, I think for me, it was always I I had a fascination with the human body, whether it was from the performance aspect, I'm an ex bodybuilder. and, And so I always had this huge fascination in trying to manipulate the human body to be the best that it could. All the way through my undergrad and then getting into med school, you know, I had a huge fascination in the genome and and epigenetics and solving things like Duchenne's muscular dystrophy with, you know, genomic editing and CRISPR, Cas9, gene regulation. And, you know, all of a sudden I started thinking about this and, you know, genetics, you're just as familiar with epigenetics and, and proteomics. And when you really get into that, you know, you start looking at medicine as a whole and realizing that we are not controlling what we can. And that, you know, I want to continue to strive to make people the best version of themselves that they can be and continue to drive the education behind that, specifically in now with Lobby, kind of the brain performance sector. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. So you did like weight training professionally or what's the story there? Never professionally. Uh, I had a whole bunch of friends that were professional bodybuilders, still are to this day. You know, I had a fascination with muscle, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term, probably an unhealthy fascination, if we're being honest. (laughs) Um, I like to call bodybuilders the first biohackers, you know. When, when peptides are just now coming out and getting into the mainstream medical community, us bodybuilders have been using peptides for 20 years. And not in a nearly you know, regulated fashion, obviously very underground, you know, bro science for lack of a better term. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm five foot nine. I was all the way up to about 254 pounds at less than 10% body fat, which was not healthy, by the way. I couldn't tie my shoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and realized that, you know, I think that's a good topic of conversation about health, though. You know, people, I think, genuinely believe that external appearance can actually reflect internal health. And that is so far from true. Because externally, I looked extremely healthy, right? I ate what I thought were the right things. I had low body fat. I had 
astronomical amount of muscle mass for my frame. But internally, when I started looking at my labs, my panels, my lipid panels, my cholesterol levels, my ratios, my intercellular calcium levels, uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, I am the furthest thing from health. Yeah. You know, it's a good call. And we've got a measure to understand where we're at. And that's a lot of what you guys are doing with Wavi around the brain. So talk to us a little bit about the business and some insights about how you guys are helping healthcare leaders do their job around brain assessment. Yeah, I think the key there to what Wavi's done, hey, let me start by saying Wavi doesn't do anything new. What we do is we make information significantly more accessible. So measuring the brain, A, has been really underdone because it's never been A, accessible, B, it's never been affordable. And those are the two things that David Oakley and David Joffe really set out to change. EEG and evoke potentials or ERP have been around for 60, 70 years. The problem with both of those is ERP specifically was really only used in brain death situations to measure, you know, long hospital procedure and process, expensive. And B, EEG is really, people are familiar with EEG from epilepsy studies and these really terrible torture-based, you know, EEG saline caps, which are just awful. And they're expensive and they're not quick, right? So when you talk about measuring the brain, you know, are you going to send a client or a patient to go get a yearly MRI? No. Are you going to go send a client to get a yearly spec scan or anything else out there, EEG? No, you're not going to do it because it's going to cost them. I mean, I don't know that many people that have five to $10,000 to throw away every year just on a yearly brain assessment. No, nobody. I mean, very um, few, right? <laughs> very few. Yeah, I know yeah. people that do it yearly and I'm like, oof, that's excessive, right? But when you really look at that, the problem is that by not doing that on a regular basis is we don't have a whole bunch of data on the brain. You know, it's not like we're able to just go in with a stethoscope and listen to the way that our heart is. We haven't been able to do that with the brain. And so really the only point in which measurement is happening is when there's already a problem, whether there's already issues of cognitive decline, whether there's already been a TBI, a stroke, whether there's already behavioral issues. And so we don't really know what these baseline normatives were supposed to be or how someone's progressing and their cognitive side is progressing as they age. And that's really the foundation of WAVI, is providing a simple, fast, and affordable assessment that we can establish a baseline and then compare subsequent scans to see how someone is progressing, whether this is as they're aging, whether it's the recovery of something like a traumatic brain injury, whether it's pre-post-stroke, whether it's pre-post-concussion, whether it's all of this research is happening. And that's really what we want to provide is this really simple, fast, and affordable test. You know, it's a four-minute test. With setup, it's less than 10 minutes where we can really start quantifying and providing some objective brain measurements. Yeah, you know, I think it's great. And you mentioned by the time that you're getting a brain test, it's already too late. It's being reactive. And how many of us actually know our baseline? Right. <laughs> I think it's very few, right? I don't, you know, and I actually met you guys <laughs> and I was there, you, you know, it's like... You did. And I'm like, I got to do it. And now that I'm with you today, Paul, I'm like, okay. And I'm literally right now on your website and I'm clicking on find Wavi near you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I better get this done. <laughs> so like, how much does it cost? You know, and, and does insurance cover it? All the basics. Talk to me about that. Yeah, really simple. So A, cost is really going to be depending on the practitioner. We provide the raw materials to the practitioner, extremely affordable price. Typically, we see a healthy range of a practitioner, let's say anywhere from $150 to $200 is the charge. As far as insurance reimbursement, you know, we are a FDA cleared class two medical device for EEG. You know, 
when it gets into that insurance side of things, it really is going to depend on the practitioner and how they're doing the CPT codes. I don't actually, until our full FDA approval comes in, hopefully later this year, I unfortunately can't really speak on the specifics of that. Sure. But there are ways that we have practitioners that are having insurance cover it. Cool. No, that's great. And so what are the benefits of knowing your baselines? And, you know, tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, I mean, here's the reality of it. I think you said it perfectly at the beginning of the episode. It just, you know, you really don't know until you measure. And that's the key, right? We have to have an objective measurement. Now, objective's not everything. You know, there has to be the subjective side of things to, to measurements as well and really putting that quantification and the qualification behind it. But, you know, the reality of it is, is I always like to give an example of two different individuals. Let's take Sally Joe and let's take Susie, okay? Sally Joe comes in. She's what we think is a healthy individual. She's 35 years old. She's got two kids and we start progressing and we get her a baseline measurement and we're able to measure her every single year. And for some reason at 47, you know, we see her P300 voltage or her cognitive decline start to, to or we see a little bit of a voltage drop. And that's not representative of cognitive decline. But what we know about cognitive decline is that the voltage and the speed significantly drops in those cognitive decline diseases. So we're able to look at her and we're able to have a conversation with her one-on-one saying, hey, what changed this year What or last two years? You know, what's your cardiovascular health like? How are you sleeping? What, what's your nutrition look like? Are you still exercising, right? All of these preventative measurements that are really easy to do, but we've never been able to quantify it. We're able to change some things, get her cardiovascular health where it needs to be, you know, look at her sleep, get her nutrition back on board. She comes in six months later, that P300 voltage or that processing power that her brain has is right back to where we expected it. Take Sally, on the other hand, you know, or Susie, I believe. Susie's sitting there and, you know, she goes in every five years, gets an appointment. She goes, yeah, I feel great. Yeah, I feel great. Yeah, I still feel great. You know, she's 55, 60. All of a sudden, she's like, I really feel like I'm forgetting my keys. And then things progress slower and they progress and they progress. We start seeing the beginning stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. Well, the reality of the fact is that didn't start when she was 60 years old. It started 20 years before that with simple lifestyle things. And we never have that measurement to be able to say, hey, Susie, what's going on, right? And if we would have just tracked that from year over year over year, what could we have changed? And that's the power in having an objective measurement is hopefully we can catch things before they've become a problem. When we talk about things like concussion research, right now the best we have is physical reaction time. Well, that's not the case. We did a six-year study with a Division I NCAA program, and what we know is that in 100% of players, there's a 40% drop in P300 voltage or physical reaction time after a concussive event. Now, the sad part about that is about 40% of players are going back to play too early before that voltage had fully returned back to its baseline level. How much more can we do to help protect these players with the right programs there, right? Strokes, what is the effect of this stroke? How do we rehab the brain? to actually get it back to its functionality? What are the areas that have been impacted? So by providing this really simple, fast assessment that has amazing information into it, we're giving a people a way and practitioners a way to really understand the brain and realize that things like neuroplasticity are real. We can change the brain. And this is tangible information that you can do something about. Yeah, that's really fascinating work. And I think about why this type of test isn't part of your annual checkup. You and me both. I'm wondering that every day. (laughs) 
That's my goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's that crucial and it takes that little time, why not just include it as part of that mix? And I guess the next question for you, Paul, is, is that happening? Are primary care physicians starting to incorporate brain health into their overall yeah, system? We're starting to, and I think that a big issue in that is just the education behind it, right? You have to think a lot of this information hasn't been accessible. When I talk to a doc about P300 or anyone in particular, you know, when I talk to you about your heart rate, you're like, yeah, I know my heart rate, duh, right? I say, you know, hey, man, you know, how's your cholesterol? Or, hey, man, what's your blood panel look like? You know, if you're semi-educated in this industry, you've heard all those terms. When I say, what's P300? Most people are like, dude, what are you talking about? Right. So <laughs> is that the latest that, routine? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, the problem is that even in medical school, it's covered, but like a chapter. Right. And, and yeah. you have to change the education system behind this and make people realize that this is no questions asked, something that we can be doing. And it is really viable information. And so it's a healthy balance of being able to get our tech to where it needed to be but also the education platform behind it to make sure that we are educating properly without, you know, obviously getting in trouble by the FDA and those types of things to really make this mainstream and have people not be afraid of this information because you do have a little bit of a stigma on the back end where people are like, I don't want to know, right? Because yeah, we've been yeah. cultured to believe that we can't do anything about it, right? Like if you talk about genetics, right? Your genes are your genes. You're going to develop Alzheimer's. You're going to develop dementia. You're at risk for cardiovascular, you know, infarction, whatever you want to say, you know, your genes are, well, genes are such a small part of it, right? right? Your epigenetics, the proteonics, how those proteins fold, all of that is so important. And what we're finding and what Lobby, I believe, is really providing is showing us that we can make a change in the brain, especially. It's not just, yeah, you are going to develop dementia or Alzheimer's, or you have we can really change that landscape. I love it. Yeah, and it's important for us to take charge. And so how would you say you guys are different than what's available today? I think it's, don't get me wrong, there are some really amazing things out there today, but there's really nobody out there specializing in our price bracket. Yeah. And with, with the accessibility of what we provide, you know, the fact that we use our own, you know, cap that you can set up in four minutes. I mean, I could have a high schooler do a brain scan. I can have a middle schooler do a brain scan, right? If I teach them properly. The learning curve is so easy and it's really actionable data. And I think that's what's so important, right? You know, I was at a, a dinner last night with an amazing friend of mine and, you know, very involved in the Tony Robbins platinum circle and, you know, really trying to help kind of move healthcare in the right direction. And we're talking about, you know, blood panels. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of blood panels done in my life. I also was on testosterone for years, so I always had my levels checked. And, you know, I'd get it and my doctor would either say, oh, you're within the range or you're out of the range, right? But what does all that mean? And if I get sent home my printout, you know, me as an uneducated or average consumer, for lack of a better term, I'm going to throw that in my top drawer and say, hey, here's my medical records, right? No part of that do I feel like I own accountability for and that's what we really wanted to change with Wavi was when we get a printout, it's, it's simple information. How strong is your battery? How fast is that signal happening? Or how fast are you processing information? And here's some behavioral markers that are similar. And by the way, all of these are changeable. And I think that that's really what sets us apart is really making this something that people can not only grasp, but also not be afraid of. So once people take the test, are you able to see like, 
here are some action items that you could do to improve. So we don't actually provide the action items. That's really where we, you know, have our practices that we work with, whether it's biohacking clinics, you know, cardiologists, you know, preventative health practitioners, you name it, right? That's really where they yeah. come in. They're, they're all the steps. You know, we're pretty much non-discriminatory when it comes to those types of things. But what we do provide is we provide the measurement to be able to validate all of those things. Got it, got it. Now, there right. are simple life tips and tricks that all of us can say, you know, hey, we all know that these things improve your brain or in your lifestyle, right? Your nutrition. Well, if you eat a Twinkie a day versus not eating a Twinkie a day, let's think what happens. <laughs> all right? Um, if, those if darn sleep, Twinkies. Those darn Twinkies. If you sleep two hours and you're not hitting REM sleep versus you sleep properly and we really optimize your sleep, okay. Exercise mm-hmm. versus non-exercise. Stress levels, right? So common knowledge tells us a lot about this. But there's also a lot of things that, you know, our practitioners are finding, red light therapy beds, PEMPs, you know, cardiologists that are really showing the effects of normalizing cardiovascular health and, and the effects on the brain. Even diet, nutrition, things like breasting protocol, and, and we're able to quantify all of these changes, which is really quite fascinating. Yeah, that's so interesting. So this is all the proactive things that we're talking about. And then the topic of concussions comes up. You know, and it comes up often in yeah. sports and, and, and in accidents too, right? So how does this apply? And are you guys working in that vertical? You know, we really want to avoid that because of the speculation in there. And, and not only that, but the liability that comes around with concussion. The reality of the fact is, you know, is it ever safe to go play football? Or is it ever safe to play rugby? Is it ever safe to go snowboarding? No. You know, throwing yourself up of 90-foot jumps doing aerials in the air is never a safe activity, mm-hmm. right? And one of our sponsored athletes is Jake Pates, who's an Olympic snowboarder. And so when you really look at this, you know, what's out there right now is things like the impact test, and, but there's just not a whole bunch of information around concussions. What is a concussion? Well, if anyone tells you they know exactly what a concussion is, I I have news for you, they're lying. Nobody really knows what a concussion is. We think that we know what uh, symptoms of a concussion are, but it's like trying to identify an animal by looking at a single strand of hair or trying to identify an elephant versus a different animal based on their skin, right? We can say, oh, it has tusks or, oh, it's got four legs or, oh, it has a tail or, oh, it has two eyes, right? All of these make up the elephant. But to describe the elephant or an animal versus an animal is the whole picture. We don't really understand that whole picture of a concussion. And to be quite frank, it can actually vary based on circumstance, person, you know, the inflammatory response, the, the cascading effects. So really the most accurate, you know, description that I've ever heard is really basically a for lack of a better term, it's a metabolic crisis of the cerebral cortex. Mm. And so I used an analogy the other day. If you think about your brain like a house, right? And this is the motherboard of your house, basically, is your brain. And we can kind of think of that like your electrical box. So your electrical box controls all of the light switches. It controls all of the power. It controls the speed at which all of this happens, right, in our house. Well, if you go into your electrical box and you start hitting it with a hammer or a battery with a hammer repeatedly, what's going to happen? Well, you're probably going to lower the voltage at which that's going to be able to happen. You haven't changed the speed at which any of these signals are happening, but you've lowered the power that it has to put out. That's what happens during a concussion, is that battery no longer has as much energy to donate towards any given signal. 
And this can vary. This can be 5%, 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, 60%, 90%, right? It depends on how severe the event is. Now, in the past, concussive research has really been around, oh, you know, two weeks, don't expose yourself to screen times, you know, sleep with your head propped up. Trust me, I know I've had probably 15 concussions, multiple severe ones. I, I've been through this whole ringer. But, you know, we're, as athletes, you're taught oh, concussions aren't real. You know, they're kind of real, but let's get you back to play. That's a big problem. We see these right. problems like CTE starting to show up and are not even starting. They, they are here. Yeah. And the reason is, you know, we're, we're not letting the brain heal. And that's just the reality of it. So with Wavi, what we're able to do is we're able to take it one step further. We're not the full solution. You know, we still need sideline protocols. We still need return to play protocols. We still need specialists. We still need education. But as far as the concussive research, you know, I talked about that concussive study that we did. You know, the reality of the fact is in 100% of these people with a concussive incident, we saw a drop in P300 voltage. And if we can quantify that and we can at least show the person, well, you may be feeling better, but you still haven't returned to that baseline voltage. And there's a great story about this with Jake Pates when he was competing in the U.S. Open for snowboarding. You know, he rung his bell and, and he goes, I just don't feel right. The trainer was all like, oh man, you're okay. He actually had his wobby kit with him. So he scanned him the next day because you have to wait 24 hours due to the adrenaline response, right? Because we have a natural band-aid in our body, which is this amazing thing called adrenaline, but it also can inhibit our or change the inflammatory response. And his voltage was pretty substantially suppressed. I mean, four or five microvolts. And then three weeks later, you know, he's like, I'm still really not feeling great. Scans again, and his voltage is actually suppressed even more. And so wow. that two-week window of, oh, yeah, you're good after two weeks. Well, that wasn't the case with him. Right. Now we scanned him again after that. And all of a sudden, you know, his brain is fully functioning back above his baseline level. But it was really him putting in the work, the right sleep, the right foods, the right to be able to do that and also having that objective measurement to say, hey, man, I should not go out and get my bell rung again right now. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Oh, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, these prescriptive ways of assessing are not enough, you know, and for anybody working in the space or maybe you're an athlete or somebody that you love, son or daughter is doing it, something to consider. So are these kits available to like anyone or do they have to be purchased by medical professionals? So we have a couple of different business lines. We have a performance research and a medical line. You know, our performance line is really available to, to a lot of individuals, but it is still a medical device, you know, at its core is where it was developed. It's a very sensitive device and it's, there is a price point. There's a threshold. I don't think, you know, the threshold that needs to be in every home for parents to give them a kit, but you know, I truly believe that every athletic program should be able to offer something like this. NFL mm -hmm. prep camps, snowboard camps, you know, you name it. We really should be able to offer this because it's not expensive enough, uh, enough where it, it should be the barrier by any stretch. Yeah, no, that's a good call. And so as you think about the things that are most exciting for you guys, what would you say is the main one? Well, that's a really hard question, actually, because there's a lot that I get excited about every day. You know, to me, it's the long-term vision that David and David really had with Wavi. The whole back-end side of Wavi is data analytics. And, you know, large data scales have been, you know, used in medicine before, but not on the level that I believe that Wavi has the ability to contribute to. And the whole idea behind it is basically cluster mapping and creating archetypes. So based on you coming in, 
or me going in or Aaron going in or Jake going in or any one of these people, based on your archetype, these are the treatments that you will respond to best. Now, this could be for a TBI. This could be for PTSD. This could be for cognitive decline. This could be for pain. And by having these data sets with our AI interface, what we're able to do is create these things and create markers that may have never existed. You know, create things for a marker for a thing like PTSD, which right now is fully 100%, unfortunately, subjective. Not that there aren't some objective markers, but we really don't know what PTSD looks like because it can be so state-driven, right? Mm -hmm. Or even concussions. You know, what excites me every day is the potential behind this device and what I think it can do for medicine. And I know everyone says that, but I mean, I really do believe that it is a really amazing step into getting people to understand their personal healthcare journey, understanding that they do have the ability to take action and actually validate what's happening. Well, it's definitely exciting. And, you know, after our talk today, I'll definitely be taking this. I'll report back to you, Paul, on my baseline. (laughs) You got it. Um, I want to go over it with you. I already have three locations to choose from and uh, right here in Chicago. So uh, if you are wondering how you could do it, find Wabi near you on their website. It's wabimed.com. Now's the time to check out your baseline. And Paul, you know, this is fun. This was just a, a great conversation, a reminder to all of us of the importance of brain health. Leave us with the closing thought, Paul, and the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. Best place that you can get in touch with me is going to be either my socials, which is at PJ Sorbo or Paul Sorbo on Facebook. You can find me on Google, number of podcasts or or interviews out there, or wavimed.com for any more information on Wavi or directed to myself or Aaron or anyone there. Um, But, you know, to me and, and my personal mission is just to help, you know, for a closing thought. You have the ability to be your own best advocate in your personal healthcare journey. And the more that we continue to get our education out there, and as a whole collective, and let's call it the informed patient, the more we can continue to shift medicine towards the preventative aspect. And it's up to all of us, all of the individual listeners, all the individual patients, all of the individual athletes to really take this and educate ourselves and understand that we can change and we have the ability to. And there's some amazing devices out there. There's amazing practitioners. And information's never been more accessible than now. So it's, it's really up to all of us as a whole to help create that change. Love it. Great closing thought, Paul. And certainly excited to continue engaging with you guys. And folks truly recommend what they're doing there, wabimen.com. Make sure you check them out. Paul, thanks again for spending time with us. This has been uh, Thank really Thank you. Fun. Really appreciate it. Love your platform and just an honor. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.